0: Hello and welcome to The Gist. I'm your host, Chris Vetrano, here every week to break down all the things that are happening in pop culture and interviewing the people that make it pop. Today, we're finally doing it. We're deep diving into one of the most celebrated pop culture icons and artists of all time, the pop princess herself, Britney Spears. As we prepare for the release of her new memoir, The Woman and Me, out October 24th, we're going to go back through the biggest moments of her iconic career. But I couldn't do it alone, so I brought in some help. You know him because he created the number one stop on the internet for all things Britney. Please welcome to the gist founder of Breathe Heavy, Jordan Miller. Hey, Jordan. Hey, what's going on? Thanks so much for the kind words. How you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I um, am excited to have you because you're a Britney expert and you have been doing this. I want to hear a little bit before we get started in talking about the queen herself. I want to hear how did you get started with Breathe Heavy and, you know, where did you sort of your love of Britney? Where did it start?
1: Yeah. So long story short, I started this website, Breathe Heavy, um, when I was a sophomore in high school. So believe it or not, it's going to be turning 20 years old next year, um, which is wild to think that I have been working on something uh, for nearly two decades. Um, And to answer your question about, you know, where the the passion started, um, it's hard to pinpoint, you know, I think like, when you're young, you tend to um, gravitate towards a certain artist for whatever the reason may be. Um, and mine happened to be Brittany um, because, you know, she was out the gate, like iconic and releasing great music and had um, a really unique looking sound. And, you know, as a little gay boy, I thought that she was <laughs> uh, just I knew that she was a queen and I wanted to stand. <laughs> um Absolutely. And then. And, and then the rest is history, like there's been a very long um, saga with Breathe Heavy in terms of covering, you know, album releases and some of the tumultuous times then into the conservatorship and which led to Free Britney um, and just everything in between. Um, so yeah. it's it's been a very colorful history. Um it's never been yeah. boring. It's always interesting, even to this day. Um, but very, yeah. very grateful for Breathe Heavy and the and the community of fans and you know, of course for Britney.
0: Yeah. Well, and as you said, I mean, it wasn't just the little gay boys like us that found, you know, a spark with Britney Spears, because she's sold over like 150 million records worldwide. She's one of the best-selling artists of all time. And after first appearing on the Mickey Mouse Club, which is where some people were first introduced to her, she signed with Jive Records at just 15 years old. And then Baby One More Time came into my life. And I, from that moment, I talked about it, I think it was in the last couple of episodes, I had talked about how Baby One More Time impacted me and how I found that song and was immediately like this is this is my bitch like I love her <laughs> like I need everything about her uh-huh. um from that moment on was was baby one more time also like your first introduction to Britney or was it later
1: No definitely it was the baby one more time era um and I just recall kind of like one of my earliest memories of of Britney is being at borders which no longer even exists um yeah. and mm-hmm. looking at um, CDs which also kind of no longer exist and seeing uh, the album cover and flipping the CD around. And I looked at the track list and I noticed there was a song called soda pop (laughs) and I was like, this has to be good. (laughs) I just know. it. I just know it's going to be a bop. And, you know, sure enough that album, um, you know, changed my life in many ways. And, 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 it's just crazy to like look back on, you know, like when I even just, yeah. just now kind of verbalizing some of these thoughts of like looking back at a time when borders doesn't exist, CDs don't exist, like just the, the format of everything. And then to consider, you know, the, the boom of digital media and social media and how that really in many ways has complicated things, I think, as a fan to yeah. a, an artist and vice versa um so there is a bit of nostalgia of course when i reflect back on some of the the simpler times (laughs) and i know i sound like a grandpa being like back in my day (laughs) um but 20 years is you know 20 years 20 plus i think maybe one more time came out 25 years ago as of like a couple days ago i think the anniversary just just hit um and there's only so many things in life that remain that consistent and music is one of them and you know i'm sure you can speak for yourself but like for me it was you know britney's a, been a huge staple um in in my life and, and just in, in a lot of areas um and so yeah it's just like it's just like fond memories to look back on
0: yeah absolutely yeah and it, the album and song both came out in 1999 mm-hmm. um, and the album went on it, it's one of the best selling albums of all time it sold 25 million copies worldwide which is insane because mm-hmm. as you were just talking about the digital music is now everything streaming and now everything mm-hmm. singles um, and single songs and so people don't buy albums the way that mm-hmm. they used to back in mm-hmm. that day yeah. and so forever I mean baby one more time is going to be one of the greatest like or one of the top selling albums of all time mm-hmm. just just because of the way that the, the format has changed.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And you know, like, I actually think that that's okay that music isn't consumed in the same exact way as it was 20 plus years ago, uh, because in 20 plus years from now, um, streaming will most likely be something that's archaic you know, is old and yeah. there'll be, you know, yeah. several new formats in the time in between. Um, but no lies detected when you say that it's like just a a record that stands the test of time. And actually a few weeks ago, um, I, I, it's not too often that I go back and like play full albums. Like I'll, you know, I've listened to her music and the songs and here and there, I have like, um, like a go-to workout playlist of her bops and stuff, but to play like the whole album um, in sequential order, I don't do too often. And I did play maybe one more time. And, You know, it's like, yes, there's like some really good bops on it, but also like I kind of forgot that there is like some pretty great ballads and like slower songs and mid-tempo songs. And just to kind of hear the nuance in her voice, um, especially with the addition of AI now and AI-generated vocals and trying to see what AI is trying to produce. Um, And in comparison, looking back on, you know, her earlier works, uh, it really is like in a time capsule and very special
0: yeah yeah no I mean she um I I agree with you like the album and I also recently uh listened to it kind of front to back we had a friend in town and we were just like oh let's go like old school Britney and so we threw on baby one more time and it's like (laughs) some of the songs I just like remember like how um, I mean, it is like it's just nostalgic in so many ways, but and the album had so many singles. I mean, we had sometimes You Drive Me Crazy, From the Bottom of My Broken Heart, Born to Make You Happy, but even beyond those, which were like huge, massive songs that we still hear and talk about today, it's like there was some really awesome. And then obviously, in this was also in the time where there was there was like the U S version. And then there was also like the Japanese version or mm-hmm. something that would come out and it would always have like a few more songs. Mm-hmm. Some of those songs are, are great too from, from her, like uh, the B sides, I guess. Oh
1: yeah. B sides. Like, um, I mean, I guess who's not a big fan of them, but there's like something special about songs that were left on the cutting room floor or that were releasing kind of like uh not like a wide release. And I tend to gravitate towards them uh quite frequently and look them up on youtube if they're not like officially released on spotify and i mean that goes you know throughout her entire career every album has b-sides that have surfaced um and some of my favorite songs of britney in general are unreleased music and i think that's part of why it's like this the allure of uh you know it's kind of feels like a secret like you were part of this exclusive club that you know not the general public doesn't really know about these songs. Um, it makes them a little bit extra special.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's the true fans, right? Like we, <laughs> we know that they, like I said, baby one more time, one of the greatest selling, uh, albums of all time. I mean, it also, you know, at the time debuted at number one in 15 different countries and, um, uh, the single also, Baby One More Time, sold more than 10 million copies. It sold 500,000 copies in its first day Mm -hmm. and is also one of the best-selling singles of all time. And so obviously people talk about that song. And then, but I think the other thing that, you know, Britney did with this sort of introduction at Baby One More Time is the videos. And you were talking kind of about like some of YouTube is what made me kind of think of it. Is like, because that's where I really go to for Britney. Like nostalgia is she was like the video queen mm-hmm. back in the day. Uh, you drive me crazy uh, was the first uh, making the music video or making the video that MTV did. I remember mm-hmm. like when it debuted, I was I was obsessed with the idea of the, of the concept of the show itself. But then for the first episode to be crazy was um, in itself crazy. I, I was obsessed <laughs> with that video. Is mm-hmm. there one that like, Stuck from the baby one more time era that stuck out for you
1: um a good question. I would also agree with you with about crazy because um I do remember you know the the m t v special and there's like this funny memory that I have of that song and that episode on m t v where it really hyped up the song and this is like (laughs) kind of embarrassing to say but there there was like a there was like a talent show at my school and i believe at this point i'm in sixth grade and some of the most like popular girls in school for the talent show they put together like a dance to crazy and they had like their little like crop tops and they crimped their hair (laughs) <laughs> and I I remember being like wanting to be a part of that. And I was like, I could be like, I play a yeah. role or whatever, but like, it just, you know, you're not confident enough in sixth grade to really put yourself out there to be like, no, I need to be in this talent show. I have to be a part of this. I mean, I did end up like right. doing I mean, a whole freaking like entire full-blown website and community for 20 years. So I did end up making up for it, but um, <laughs> clearly that's still a point of contention.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I mean... I I feel like, you know, I always related to Britney um, because I was obviously in school as well when she was at her biggest is I always like assumed or like thought of Britney as the most popular girl in school Mm -hmm. and was like, oh, yeah, this is like if if I went to school with Britney, like she'd be the most popular. And then, of course, the popular girls were the ones that were doing those things in the talent shows, singing Britney Spears songs. (laughs) And so it was like it just it felt right.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah, I tend to agree with that, yeah.
0: Um. Well, so she had this, like, incredible kind of start to her career, unmatched, for most would say. I mean, it, the story in which she sort of, like, skyrocketed to fame um, really felt like it happened overnight. And then not long after, just a year later in 2000, she released Oops, I Did It Again, also debuted at number one it sold 1.3 million copies breaking the record for the highest debut sales by a solo artist in its first week and has gone on to sell over 20 million copies worldwide to date uh tell me about your thoughts on oops what happened where were you when it came out how were you like what what were your thoughts when she kind of transitioned to this oops i did it again era
1: um, interesting to reflect also on that because that's also <laughs> twenty plus years ago. Um, and what were my thoughts? I think that I thought that at this point I'm a full blown stan, <laughs> and I remember talking to my friends. I used to do gymnastics um as like a, t- a team gymnastics competitor, and I remember talking to my mm-hmm. gym buddies about about the music video and the album when it came out. And I remember most of my friends commenting on how like hot she looked in the video. And I remember thinking like, yeah, like she's definitely fierce, but I was like, but like, you know, the songs and like her looks like I was definitely looking at it from just a different angle, obviously unknowingly at the time, because I was still pretty young. Um, Right. But at the time, you know, the album sales and just the you know the all of the hype and attention around her it was all happening in real time so in the moment i wasn't super aware and i was also young so i didn't have so much like experience or even exposure to what other artists of you know her caliber experienced and it was just kind of like very innocent in the way to like live in the moment and just like not i don't know what if this is not normal or normal i just know that i like I really like her as an artist. I liked her for the last album and now it's, it feels like she's even more famous and making more music. And of course I love that. Um, And you know, it's, it, it is again, like it's this theme of like, just like a precious time because we were like all very young. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It was, I, for me, it was definitely like, I felt like it was a departure from the first record. I remember like getting the album, I think like, I had to get it after school or something the day it came out and putting it in and just being like, oh, wow, like this sounds like funkier. It sounds like sexier. Um, Like I felt like she was being like a little bit more of a bad girl. I don't know what, like why that felt that way. But I think just some of the like, don't go knocking on my doors and some of the other like tracks on there just felt like, oh, she's like growing up, but she was still so young. But then, Mm -hmm. I mean, the, the oops era gave us so much because as you mentioned, like I mean, it, she became kind of like at this the biggest star in the world, and she obviously uh, this is when we got her famous VMA performance of Oops, where she ripped off the uh, glittery black suit and revealed the glittery uh, nude suit, mm-hmm. and to for me, it's probably still to this date like the best vma or probably award show performance that i've ever seen Mm. um and i remember just being like obsessed watching it over and over and over trying to like learn the dance and same (laughs) i I mean it was it was amazing and Mm -hmm. you know i remember like her being on the newspaper the next day like the front page her kind of like giving this like mischievous grin from the performance and you know it being like such a big deal um and that coming off of obviously she did the rolling stone cover which was controversial uh because she was wearing underwear and at the time i like didn't understand like why is everyone like hating on britney and you know now looking back i'm like okay she was like pretty young doing these mm-hmm. things but you know she was she was a star from the beginning um Also during the era, we got the Super Bowl halftime show where she came out as a guest with NSYNC and Aerosmith, Mm -hmm. um, which I was obsessed with. She (laughs) gave us two books, um, a heart to heart book release, and then a mother's gift. And she signed an $8 million deal with Pepsi. So just in this oops era, she like really solidified herself as a star. Um, you mentioned you also were learning the VMA dance. Was there an, was there something from this era that like sticks out for you?
1: Yeah, well first definitely want to comment on that VMA's performance because it still remains like yeah. one of my favorites. Um and yes, I do recall at the time like learning the try or like just trying to like be in my room and like live my best life and like yeah. recreate the scene where she like you know throws her hands on the on that like stair the stair railing and then goes up and down and then turns her head, walks, and then just like the rest is history and she, you know, um yeah. reveals the like the nude tone glittery outfit. Um and I love your perspective of like looking back and like actually kind of analyzing the music and comparing it from one album to the next. I definitely didn't I definitely wasn't like aware enough, I don't think, at the time to like have the tools to do that. Um, and I think like in hindsight, I could tell the music was a little bit more up tempo, kind of like how I mentioned that Baby One More Time had like a lot of mid tempos and some ballads and it was a little bit slower. Yeah. I definitely in hindsight realize that oops, I did it again was more fast paced. It was more like what we would consider quote unquote pop. Um, And I do remember at the time liking that more um, and gravitating towards that more. Um, And, you know, as we kind of like venture into these eras, you know, it continued through the Britney era and so on to get immersed more in pop. Um, So I think like kind of playing off of what you, what you mentioned, like I do, recall feeling like, okay, these songs are like, these are my vibe. <laughs> Not that the other ones weren't, but those were like mm-hmm. more my vibe. Um, and it was really like at that yeah. point, I think I started to, um, kind of explore like my tastes in music, which led me down to, you know, kind of looking at other artists. But, um, you know, of course, she's kind of remained on this, um, you know, on this pedestal for me as I was a kid. Um, yeah. And, also, side note, I'm loving all of the data you're presenting. I work for Amazon <laughs> and data is like such a huge part of everything. Um, so, uh, you know, props to you for doing your homework and, and bringing in, in the receipts. <laughs>
0: Yeah, you know, I have to have some kind of facts on this so that I don't just gush about her for an hour, and (laughs) because I could do that too, but have to like also bring some facts so that so that people know why why I'm gushing.
1: Gotcha. Because like,
0: even though Britney was like the the biggest star, and you know, also, I mean, at the time, because like this bubblegum pop like craze was starting. Obviously, there was the boy band era. We had the the other Britneys, the Christina. Uh, Jessica Simpson, Mandy Moore, like we were getting all these people, but you know, in music in general, people always talk about the sophomore slump and that that's going to be like, you know, can they do it again? And I think like, you know, in this era, like Britney really showed, yes, I'm here to stay. I'm like a staple in pop. And then, as I mentioned, like there was all these things, the $8 million deal with Pepsi. And, you know, she was really just starting to solidify herself as the celebrity and one of the biggest stars of, of Of all time, really, Mm -hmm. um, in that moment. And as you started to allude to, is in that kind of continued on into 2001. It was crazy because, you know, she was also doing all these albums one year after, like one after another, just with like a year apart or really no breaks. Mm -hmm. So sometimes it all feels like all of these things happen together. Mm -hmm. But in 2001, she released Britney, um, also debuted at number one, sold 10 million copies worldwide. It was a more adult record. Um, she, you know, definitely like wanted to shed sort of this like young girl image that people kept putting on her. So she had "I'm a Slave for You," um, "I'm Not a Girl," uh, "Overprotected," "I Love Rock and Roll," and "Boys" were all the singles. She went on a on the Dream Within a Dream tour, probably like at the time was one of the biggest tours. It grossed forty three point seven million dollars, and we also in this era really got the height of the Justin and Britney relationship that became such a focus. And um, we got her first major motion picture crossroads in 2002. Mm-hmm. Um, so tell me about the Britney era and kind of like what you remember, what are your highlights from that era?
1: So the Britney era, I think as I'm taking this trip down memory lane, um, this is when I really started to follow more of like the, I think artistic side of her career. And I was really into like knowing about the photo shoots that she did and who the photographer was and why they styled things a certain way and the album artwork. Um, That's when I really started to kind of like have more of like a marketing lens, even though I was still fairly young. Um, And at this point I'm visiting, you know, fan sites to keep up with all of the news. I mean, you listed out a bunch of things that she did, but there was, you know, countless, other events that she would go to or there was paparazzi photos and i wanted to like really absorb absorb all of that because you know at that point i'm i went to like a really hard private school and i was competing in gymnastics which was at least three hours of training every single day six days a week so i really had this bit of like an escape i guess to be able to like just immerse myself in this world um and follow her career and just take my mind off of the day-to-day of just having to push myself you know in all those areas um and in terms of like kind of some shining moments from the britney era i really remember being impressed with slave for you because her working with pharrell and the neptunes it it was a different sound for her and i remember what. Someone that I knew, I believe it was my cousin. She said how Britney's vocals just sound like robotic and fake. And I just remember thinking at the time, like, I didn't necessarily even agree with that. But I also thought, like, the overall production of the song and, like, the the vocal and all of it tied together was hot. And I was like, that. Yeah. that's what, you know, makes a great pop song. That who gives a shit about um you know if it's 100% organic vocals like it's a it's a it's supposed to be a pop record it's supposed to uh, allow you to take yourself out of your day to day um which yeah. i was unknowingly doing at the time um and presumably still doing <laughs> um yeah. so definitely the music again was like another evolution um and i i bought in i loved the sound <laughs> of the record um I remember, you know, you mentioned Crossroads. It's super fun to see that the movie's coming out again um, in a couple of weeks for fans to kind of, like, relive. Um, right. And that produced the, you know, the iconic Slave for You performance of the VMAs, which yeah, I think I mentioned the 2000 performance is maybe my favorite. I don't know. The Slave for You one was just, I remember at the time watching it. And this is, you know, really, I mean, the internet was around, but TV could get away with airing something, on the east coast and then waiting three hours and no one knowing on the west coast so when i saw it it was news to me right. and that would never happen now um yeah exactly. and i remember like seeing the snake and just being like she is so like badass and um yeah. i just felt like she was fearless and I, of course there's like interviews that she's done you know saying that was a little bit of a terrifying experience for her but the point is, is that she exuded this confidence and it's something I've always like admired about right. her. Um, so when I look back on, on that time um, that's kind of like the impression that I was left with.
0: Yeah. I mean, it was, and I think the VMA, I think some of the VMA producers have like called it one of the greatest VMA performances of all time from their perspective uh, because, you know, it took so many risks with the tiger on the stage and the, and the boa and all of the things Um, that she did. And it's like, it really, I mean, it's one of her most iconic looks. Obviously people do it for Halloween every year. And, you know, it is something that like will live on forever, which is really the true test of like a pop culture moment or, and for her being an icon. And, you know, it it was just this like incredible time where uh, you kind of alluded to this, is that in this era was really when, paparazzi and where like Britney's behind the scenes it was like she was the biggest star lit of you know being in the pop princess in her first two records but it was really like it t- took another level where people became so obsessed with her and what was happening behind the scenes a lot of that was like the Justin and Britney romance and that people became obsessed with and so it really did start shifting the way that we consumed things because like you said, the internet was starting to come around. Like it was really like, Oh, I can go online and start learning about all of these other things. And so it really like became that as well as her career, which she was sort of like fighting both things. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, so it was a really transitional year, which I feel like leads us to the, uh, the next album, which is in the zone. Um, The album, also debuted at number one, which made her the first female artist in SoundScan era to have her first four studio albums debut at number one, gave us the singles Me Against the Music, Toxic, Every Time, uh, Outrageous. And you know we. Uh, she also got her first Grammy Award for Toxic during this era. Um, but this was also the era where a lot of the sort of um, media chaos was happening because she got married in Vegas to Jason Alexander in January, 2004. And then in July of 2004 was uh, dating Kevin Federline. Uh, She went on, she did the chaotic TV show. Um, So she really was starting to kind of become something more and probably bigger than herself really um, during this, this time. Um, And I, and at what year, remind, remind me, when did Breathe Heavy start?
1: So, breathe heavy did start. This is the era that it all began. Um, It it started in two thousand, yeah, started in two thousand four. But I actually had to spend a year, um, which was two thousand three, learning how to build a website. This was before the drag and drop uh, functionality that you can do now, where you can build a a website in like literally an hour. Um, This was learning how to code. So um, I was following along on the Britney saga (laughs) and seeing how you know just the magnitude of everything which, you know, inspired me to want to make a website and have like a place where people could go um, to read about her. I wanted to be someone who could like produce the news. Um, And yeah, so long story short, I I spent a year learning how to do it and then launched it. um, The very last day of my sophomore year uh, in June, 2004, school ended, went home, I was already built and published it. And I was publishing it to like no one because no one knew about it. And I just, I don't know, I just... At the time, again, it was just like a good, innocent time where it didn't matter to me about traffic and engagement and all these metrics that I try to hit now, which, you know, for the most part, I try to look the other way because I want to enjoy it and it kind of takes the fun out of it. Right. Um, But yeah, it was 2004, the end of the zone era.
0: Yeah, I had I th- I thought that was probably about the time because I like I remember I've been on Breathe Heavy back in these days like I oh, remember cool. finding because I I think what Breathe Heavy did is when the media was really starting to turn on Britney during these mm-hmm. times because she was you know becoming I mean she was truly just a twenty year old or whatever however old she was at that time like doing what most twenty year olds do which is like go out party do things but it really took like a different shape because apparently she needed to be a certain kind of role model. And Mm -hmm. so the media really turned on her. And I think what breathe heavy did was it gave people like me who wanted to follow the news a place to go and like hear positive things and like talk Mm -hmm. about like, yes, this thing is happening, but there was always like, you knew that you were reading something from a fan. So you Mm -hmm. knew that you weren't going to like get a perspective of like, we're just selling the paper and we are trying Mm -hmm. to make it shocking just mm-hmm. to like, you know, get the headline. Mm. Um, and so I remember that being kind of like the reason that I, would, that I would go to Breathe Heavy back in the day.
1: Love that. Honestly, I really appreciate you saying that because that is still the lens that I try to look through. Um, it's still, you know, along the way I make mistakes and I post the things that I look back I am like that probably shouldn't have, or maybe I shouldn't have said it like that. Or, um, you know, I frequently work, kind of run into these forks in the road, a, a crossroads, if you will. <laughs> Yeah. um sorry <laughs> um there we go but 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 that's one thing that i've always tried to do is like spin the news in a way where it's like this is what's going on and it may not be like the most uh like kind or like lighthearted news it may be like a tough pill to swallow but i've never been a big fan of looking the other way and it just feels like a bit of censorship to me i feel like there's a way you can go about sharing information um, that's relevant, you know, not everything needs to be shared. And there's plenty of things throughout the years that have crossed, has crossed my path that I choose to, that is an appropriate time to look the other way or to make that decision of like, this isn't a good fit for breathe heavy. Um, and you know, along the way you get a lot of, I've gotten a lot of criticism for, you know, certain stories or my stance or people, saying I'm, you know, part of the conservatorship team or just like all these kinds of crazy things. But to hear from someone who's been, you know, kind of following along for this, um, this amount of time, um, to make the, to highlight the point that I've always tried to, especially from the very beginning, um, portray Brittany in a, in a positive light. Um, I appreciate that greatly. Thank you.
0: Yeah, of course. I mean, and you know, I mean, it's it's ridiculous to say that you're part of that, like, grouping of of people because of, like, you are such a fan and that's where mm-hmm. all of this came from. And also, like, you know, you don't have to apologize for, you know, saying things back in the day because the, the time was different. I had a music blog um, for many years that I ran and wrote things and, you know, I have written some very unfavorable things that I hope – no one ever finds, mm-hmm. um, you know, that just aren't very nice and they're, it's nasty. And like, you know, it's the days of Perez Hilton. And like, that was what seemed like, you know, what people were sharing their opinions online mm-hmm. for the first time really, and saying whatever they wanted to. And, you know, even today I have lots of opinions about Britney, but I, you know, have, it's taken me a long time on this podcast to even talk about Britney because, you know, I want to celebrate what Britney Spears is and was and i don't want to like focus on the things that you know now could potentially do damage to her in some kind of way mm-hmm. um when with all these people talking about that and so mm. it was a different time and so you know if you po- if you wrote something that somebody doesn't like today like you know apologize mm. for it and move on mm. because what you were doing i think is like you were still celebrating who she was which was was sharing the news about her and so i think that that's still great
1: Thank you. Yeah, you're right. It was like the internet, you know, back. So now we're kind of like adventuring into the next uh, kind of era here, the blackout era. And this is yeah. really when I think the internet was at its, at its meanest. Um, it's still, yeah. you know, a, can be a very dark place, but I think uh, millennials, the kind of the people who grew up with the internet, we've all for the most part collectively tried to, I think raise the bar. Obviously there's still just tons and tons of negative people. And there's a lot of people who just say terrible things and there's no accountability. Um, but having a, you know, a website, I was always held accountable and I always had to make sure that I tried my best anyhow to make sure that whatever I would say um, it put Brittany in a good light. It felt good, but there, yeah, there's times where, um, you know, you, you're not sure of how to proceed with the story or, or whatnot. Um, yeah. But you kind of mentioned some of the other blogs from back then. And it's like, yeah, that was like how you became a kind of a media force. And yeah. I, in some ways was mean. I'll like looking back, I was not mean towards Brittany, but people around her, um, Right, I, still like kind of share the same sentiment that i do now with some of those people like i still they're not i'm not a big fan but how i would go about um using my own energy to write about them or to drag them i just don't do now Mm -hmm. obviously and that's what happens when you're you know now at this point i believe in the blackout era i'm 18 19 20 years old that's what happens when you're yeah that age in comparison to me being 35 years old. Now you grow and you learn from those experiences. Um, but um, in terms of Brittany, like always was like, I have her back. <laughs> like she, yeah. you know, and still same to this day. Like, I'm just, um, I'm like, and now I have like this, not to jump ahead, but it's like c- to compare and contrast it to, it's like, now I have like an even bigger, and wider reach on the internet in comparison to them like breathe heavy got a lot of traffic back then but it's been all these like stepping stones to be what it is now and so now i have to really make sure that what i put out there i have to like really think about um and anyway that's there's a whole rabbit hole we can go down with this but um (laughs) we'll kind of like pivot back to the the iconicness of blackout
0: (laughs) yeah and you know uh but before we jump into blackout too like as you were saying like this was really the height of all of the kind of like media she mm-hmm. you know when she had to cancel the in the zone tour she kind of a lot of things sort of ensued I think mm-hmm. chaotic uh, being the TV show is like kind of the right word for all of that mm-hmm. um, because between 2004 and 2007 she also released the first greatest hits album with my prerogative um, she had both of her sons. Uh, she divorced K. fed. Um, it's also when, you know, she famously shaped her head and which people, you know, remember, uh, when they think of her, obviously. And then blackout was, you know, there was a lot of controversy around the album itself, but is actually one of the most celebrated. It it was the first time that she had an album that didn't debut at number one. It debuted at number two Mm -hmm. in the U S it did win album of the year at the MTV Europe music awards. Um, It gave us three singles, but there was a lot of kind of controversy around it. And it was really like, even though, you know, critically it was one of her most celebrated albums as like this incredible kind of like electronic dance album. And, um, but it was unfortunate that like behind the scenes, this is also when she gets placed on the psychiatric hold and the conservatorship comes into play and we're starting to get into this time. And so it was a really kind of strange era to be, a fan because we loved what we got from blackout as a fan but on the other flip side it was like all of this stuff was happening to her and kind of Mm -hmm. falling apart in front of our eyes
1: i was gonna say i feel like i agree with that assessment but a little shift for me is that there was like a lot of stuff going on and being criticized about britney herself but i think there was like a real separation between her and the album. I think like a lot of people recognize that it was like in a, a critically acclaimed album that it sonically, it sounded amazing. And I don't recall like too much heat around the album and criticism about that, but about her. Um, I mean, if anyone would know, you know, it would be me because I literally documented like every paparazzi trip, every rumor, like it's all in these, the breathe heavy archives that I have um, stored on a database. Um, it's like yeah. a weird journal that I have. Um, and yeah, there was just so much. And that's like to the point of what you mentioned, um, of just like how I try to portray Brittany in a positive light throughout things. This is, I think really when I leaned in, um, and, and it, at this point I'm 20 years old and this is the year that I met Brittany, Um, I met her before the VMAs, um, in Vegas Mm -hmm. before the 2007 VMAs and kind of how all that came to be was because she had been reading breathe heavy at that point and could see that the angle that I was going with was so, was such a pivot from where, what she was used to seeing everyone was just, just trying to destroy her and drag her down. And there was like one kind of corner on the internet that really went out of its way to make sure that. Um, that it wasn't that and it it wasn't just me. It was like I had the platform. I created the platform breathe heavy, but um, it really boils down to like my news posts combined with the community of fans. So Britney fans, they wanted to have like a dedicated place to go. It's really the fans of hers that I think um, is what what the special Mm -hmm. sauce was because you could go to people magazine or some of these other blogs and you could read the comments and they're all just terrible and the general public, generally speaking, was not nice, and so it was like a breath of fresh air to go to a place where it wasn't going to be this doom and gloom about her. Even though everything was being reported on the on the website and in in the forum, um, it was a place to go to like find some solace from like this is my beloved pop star. I've stayed on her for a number of years now and I just want to be able to yeah. talk to like-minded people to still continue to celebrate her and breathe Heavy is, you know, my opinion is yeah. still that to this day.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, during the um, kind of conservatorship of it all, like at the time we didn't really know what was happening and we like, you know, there was some, obviously some, some photos of her and an ambulance and when there were stories and there was all kinds of things out and, you know it was like it was scary as a britney spears fan at the time Mm -hmm. and so to the point is like going to breathe heavy is like oh i can go there to sort of find out like what's happening let's like let's or just go there to like be with other britney fans and talk about sort of what is potentially happening and how we might be able to get her back
1: Mm -hmm. and you
0: know it's it was interesting when i put this together and you know, we could do a whole episode on the conservatorship and nor do I really want to do that because I don't <laughs> want to give it a lot of life, um, because Agreed. it's horrible, but, um, but it was so interesting to me as I was putting this together is like, uh, like seeing the timeline of it and seeing like, oh, she, the, she got placed on the conservatorship. And then it was like, Almost immediately after she was released uh, from the hospital, she was on "How I Met Your Mother." She did Britney for the record. She was like just back to work, which mm-hmm. brings us to the next era, which is in 2008. She released the Circus album, which mm-hmm. also debuted at number one again. So she was back on the top of the charts. "Womanizer" topped the Billboard Hot 100 for the first time since "Baby One More Time," mm-hmm. and uh, she went on the the Circus tour and. It's like, it's insane to think, I mean, and then obviously there's more to her story and her career to come, but like, it's crazy to think like, while all of this was happening and there was all these horrible things being said about her. She got back to work and she was like, truly like doing it again. Like she was Mm -hmm. still delivering things at the top of the charts.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like one of the, I think, pivotal moments of her career that I that I feel is very inspirational. Um, you know, it's like she was at a seemingly low point and they put her in a situation that was unjust and corrupt. And she still managed to pick herself up and, and push herself artistically professionally, um, as a, as a mom, um, just as a human being. And I, I kind of think back to those moments, um, you know, when I struggle with certain things, it's like, okay, like, pick yourself up, push yourself, you can do this. Um, and I think, like, I think that there's, like, a two sides of the coin here when it comes to, like, her kind of this, quote-unquote, resurgence with circus. It's, like, on the one hand, I personally do well when I have structure. Um, and work. I, I tend to thrive a little bit better than if I'm just left to my own devices and, and have kind of like a super open schedule. But at the same time, I think in her case, it was like used as a tool. of like if you do X, Y, Z, then you'll be out of the situation. And she played the game that they forced her to be in. Uh, she was an unwilling participant. And I think that that's why there's such a kind of, I think difference between circus and then the next era um, because it was like the situation didn't change. Um, And so not to get too far into the conservatorship. I know that this is like a very music focused um, chat, but at the same time, it's hard to (laughs) untangle the two. Yeah. Um, because it kind of the, the personal situation in many ways informed the professional situation and vice versa. So, um, kind of that's things where, this is where things get a little more complicated and tangled.
0: And I mean, and no, I mean, I, it, it is music focused in, in celebrating who she is, but it, it's part of her story. And and mm-hmm. I think I'm hoping, you know, I'm hopeful not to jump ahead of like the woman in me and the things that we might learn and like what Brittany could actually do for conservatorships and people that are in similar situations for the future. And so it's definitely part of her story. And, you know, she, she, I think it is interesting. We'll, we'll transition to go to what you said is the, you know, she released the singles collection uh, after Circus, uh, which had uh, the single Three. Three became her third number one song. So again, she's still like churning out some of the biggest, you know, sales of her entire career. And then she releases in 2011, two years later, Femme Fatale. Um, so the album did peak at number one, uh, hold it against me debuted at number one. It also had these singles till the world ends. I want to go. Um, and it's the first album in which three of its songs reached the top 10 of the charts. So, uh, and then it also had criminal. This is also the time where we got S and remix with Rihanna, which became her fifth number one, uh, be in the mix. Uh, remixes came out. She was on the X Factor. She had scream and shout with Will I M. Ooh la la for the Smurfs movie. I mean, girl was busy during mm-hmm. this time. But to your point, and I think what you were alluding to is like the the spark wasn't maybe there as much during this era because I think for her she was maybe starting to recognize. Well, the abuse and the things that were happening behind the scenes with the conservatorship, that this was what was going on.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, there was like a, a ton of of things that you just mentioned. And I think, um, I, I obviously don't know for sure, and perhaps this will be revealed in the book, but I would imagine if it were me in a situation similar to that, I would at some point in order to just survive, you have to almost like accept the situation so you can cope. So you can like do things day to day. Otherwise, if you're just yeah. continually dwelling and looking back, it's like you're gonna get stuck. And I think that's perhaps uh, kind of a a mode that she put herself in of like, okay, I'm gonna get through this. I'm going to continue to push forward. Um, and you know, had all of this amazing success, but of course, behind the scenes, she wasn't being able to live her authentic life in a way that she chooses. You know, choose to do so, and I think that's yeah. you know, you mentioned the kind of the spark fading in certain um, certain eras. I think this is kind of a, around that time where she's doing X Factor yeah. and the FemFetal, and this is also you know the beginnings of the conservatorship and adjusting to what this you know legal prison is is like for her. Um, yeah, and so it's like I would imagine there's a bit of some dissonance for her to be experiencing all of these, you know, accolades and career defining moments. But yet there, the other side is that there's this really dark um, underbelly of everything. um, And she's having to kind of reckon with that.
0: Yeah. And not getting to probably celebrate those things the way that other artists that Mm -hmm. have, you know, career milestones and number one songs on hot 100, the way that they're celebrating these things, Britney wasn't, Getting the opportunity to do those things and uh, allowed to do those things, which I think probably was part of it, because I always think back to of like, you know, the when we talked about the early Britney and when we first were introduced to her and Baby and the Oops eras, is like I I remember Rosie O'Donnell had her show and Britney was like a staple on the Rosie show and she was always going and uh, and stopping by and. I just remember she like always had she Rosie O'Donnell just made her laugh in a way that I felt like no one else really like did and she would laugh so much and she had so much personality and it was just it was like oh that's who Britney Spears is and she you know she had that personality and a lot of other things that we've seen her in and I mean even when you see like Crossroads how she shows up is like that's the spark and I think that's what was missing and so when it when she has this like dynamic personality and is such the kind of girl next door. And then she kind of is seemingly like afraid around people. And she's like timid of talking and, and all of the things that we've kind of started seeing it was signs, I think to fans that like something isn't going right. Like something, Mm -hmm. you know, there was a lot of speculation as to like what it was that was causing all of that. But little did we know how deep it actually went.
1: Mm. yeah well and, it's like who it's like who gives a shit about a number one if you aren't able to freely drive your car or choose your right. lawyer or your doctor or have say in your you know the the visitation of your children and their children are used right. as like a tool against you to comply like okay great a number one's great but my life isn't like super meaningful in, in the ways that you know they could be um, so yeah
0: yeah yeah it was a it was a tough era it gave us some incredible britney spears songs um i mean femme fatale uh i i listed all the singles i mean some of those singles are some of my favorites from from her Mm -hmm. um and so i am grateful for the album um but you know obviously there's a lot behind the scenes that was happening as well Mm -hmm. um And that brings us to the next era. Two years later, um, 2013, she released Britney Jean. Uh, It was her final album under Drive Records, under the deal that she had signed. Uh, And it debuted at number four. It was her lowest selling album. Um, It had Work Bitch and Perfume as the singles. Um, And during this era, she had released a couple of other songs, one with Miley Cyrus, SMS Bangers. Uh, Pretty Girls with Iggy Azalea, Tom's Diner. She released a couple of like things out there. Um, but really, I think to go off of what you were just saying and about the, you know, all the things that were going, you know, Britney Jean being the lowest selling is not surprising because at this point, I feel like it was coming out in the music as well.
1: Mm, yes, agreed. Um, and the elephant in the room with this album is, you know, it's fans dissect uh the songs and question whether she, you know, her vocals are hundred percent on every single song. Um, And that kind of has eclipsed the music when you look back on this album. And so to your point, it's like, yes, I think that this is now manifesting in her music because there's just, you know, this is all speculation, of course, on my part, but it's like, perhaps there's like a lack of connection to the music because the meaningful areas of her life, she's not fulfilled in the ways that she could be if there wasn't, the kinds of restraints on her. Um and yeah. so it, you know, for it to debut at number four, like whether, you know, I think like there was a time where like the number ones and stuff were like super, super exciting for her. But I think as time went on, I think if she, you know, I think that stuff became less important to her. Um yeah. and it was more about like trying to um find connection and 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 meaning in life. So like for I'm, I presume um, Brittany's point of view of like it day being at number four is like, whatever. I'm, I have bigger fish to fry. Um, yeah. but you know, like fans want her to be like number one at all times. <laughs> yeah. And so I remember there being a bit of like a, some discourse about that. Um, but you know, that album is, it's got some bops for sure. But, um, kind of like how I mentioned, I revisited baby one more time in full, not too long ago. It's been a minute. Since I fired up Brittany Jean, Um, yeah. So yeah, that's all I got to say about Britney Jean.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and enough said on that too. Yeah, I mean, I've, every artist has one sort of. If it has to be, you know, what is, is this? A, her was this her eighth album? Now I can't remember. Um, yeah, but I mean, it's it's insane. I mean, that's an incredible milestone to get to her eighth album and how it how mm-hmm. it be the lowest selling. So yeah. Um, and and then her final album in 2016, Glory. Um again, a lot of speculation as you mentioned about like the connection, was she there, was she is she on all of the songs? There was a lot of talk about this with Glory as well. Um and I think in this era like I think it's probably one of her strongest videos that I have you know, in my sort of Britney Spears top videos of Slumber Party, I mean, I think she looks incredible in that video. I think that like the dances and the way that they put it together, the looks, I think everything was like hitting. But again, we're getting closer to this understanding that like something isn't right. Something's not like, all, all cylinders are not firing quite right with Britney and her team and what's going on. And I think, again, we just sort of got, trumped by all of those things
1: Mm. during i have a a bit of a different kind of recollection of glory um because i i recall feeling like now i feel like i was tricked in a way like i feel like when i look Mm. back on that era i knew the conservatorship was still in place and that it was wrong but i almost like started to i i really felt like she was thriving in that era even though we know now she wasn't behind the scenes there was things that she was fighting for and and all that but we weren't i wasn't that knowledge wasn't available to us at the time and i i remember thinking like her performances are she's slang. her body was honestly like in the best shape you know that she had been in in a really long time like she looked physically like an athlete um and just was doing interviews and doing traditional promo. And I, I really felt like she was like in, I think she was in a better place in some regards. Um, and, and that's why I think like there's when there's like a lot of conversation about how, you know, Britney might be now and people want the old Britney back and all these kind of, this kind of like chatter. Um, I, I have hope for her that she's going to be able to kind of when she wants to, of course, return, you know, on her own terms she can yeah because she's done it before yeah. she, you know femme fatale was i think like a bit of a, a, a rough patch um this is my own two cents maybe it wasn't for her but just kind of like through the lens of me covering everything um yeah. it was a bit of a rough time and then she was able to come out with glory where the visuals were amazing and she just seemed so healthy and um cogent and uh, and, and that's not to, to say, to comment on her now. I just think in 2016, when that album came out, it was really heightened. Um, and I'm like annoyed at myself for kind of like letting uh, myself be complacent in some regards. I would still speak out against the conservatorship when articles would come out and a court re- date would happen. And I'd be like, it's still happening. Um, but right. I, I feel like I, I lost a bit of my own like tenacity everything going on in her situation because it's, it appeared to me that she um, was kind of where work, had worked through it. And it was like, maybe it was a good setup for her. I thought, well, what the hell do I know? I don't know her. I don't know her, her situation so intimately and the doctors. And maybe this is like a good situation for her. And obviously it wasn't right. Um, and so when yeah. I look back on glory, I, I conflate the two. It's like, Oh, she was killing it. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm like, ah, damn Jordan. Like, why did you kind of like uh, just continue? Like I reported a lot about the stories with a bit of like a, some skepticism, but it was more neutral, obviously, than when it first started out. Um, right. So, so to kind of end the musical era on that note, uh, yeah. didn't love that. And I'm looking forward to hopefully one day her putting out a new record um, and kind of, being able to cover with that kind of tenacity that I had before.
0: Yeah. And I think, I mean, I think you're right. Like, there was a bit of like coming off of Britney Jean, I think it was, it did feel more like a return to form in a lot of ways. So I like mm-hmm. can understand where you felt that. I think also what, something we didn't mention is the piece of me Vegas show um, happened during the Britney Jean era mm-hmm. and, you know, is one of the, I mean, she changed the game in Vegas in terms of residency and, Um, And so I think doing all those shows, she was an athlete. She was showing Mm. up and doing that time and time again. Um, And so I think that like all of that was happening and then glory, she was sort of in the music uh, or in the performing kind of mindset Mm -hmm. from that. So I think that's where we get that in the videos. It's why like I, you know, as I said, like the slumber party video is one of my favorites and But I think that there, you know, there was something about like Britney used to talk about her music and the creative process of it. And, you know, Max Mm. Martin obviously was a big contributor to her career um, and her musical catalog. But other people that have worked with her have also come out and said like how she shows up and how she has like a lot of thoughts about like how songs should be arranged and where things should have ad libs and that she was always very, um, collaborative in the studio. And I mm-hmm. feel like maybe that's to me what was missing from mm-hmm. these last few projects was mm-hmm. that I don't know that she was doing more than just showing up and singing what she was told to sing mm-hmm. so that she could go home and, you know, maybe get, you know, whatever they were kind of holding over her head in order to do that, which is horrible. But I'll,
1: I'll quickly comment on that too. Like, I also think like I, what you kind of just described, I definitely project onto Brittany Jean, but I always recall, like glory of being an album where she did have a bit more control, like maybe the creative process. I'm not quite sure what that looked like for her, but I remember thinking when I was first listening to the music that I was like, Oh, this is definitely her vocals. Like this is definitely her. And like some of the songs that were selected, like man on the moon, for example, is like kind of like a, a bit to the left, to the yeah, out of left field. In some ways Mm -hmm. and I'm like that's cool that she uh is selecting these types of songs because it just felt like Britney Jean was just this um just very like stale like cold in a way I don't I don't mean to be like rude about her music like I hope hopefully I'm not coming across that way I just think Britney Jean and Glory they're just night and day um and so I remember thinking like okay the music sounds really good she looks amazing fit like interviews are awesome um and so yeah i was definitely like and it's wild to think that that was 2016 and we're like approaching 2024 like what the hell yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. i know a, a lot has happened and um and you know we haven't got we've gotten some songs we got hold me closer we've gotten mind your business we've gotten some stuff from her but we have mm. we have our I don't want to say we're due an album because it's up to Britney at this point, what she wants to do. And we as fans mm-hmm. like want her to, you know, take her time. And if she never wants to deliver that, then that's where we're at. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, a lot of things happened. Obviously we know uh, the free Britney movement. Um, again, we could talk, we could have a whole episode about that. Maybe someday we will. I know you were a big part of that. Um, Britney is now free. And now on October 24th, we're getting the woman and me which she signed this $15 million book deal and you know, it's apparently going to be explosive. At least if we're reading what the media has to say, what are you hoping to get out of the woman in me as a, as a Britney Stan and as the creator of this like number one spot to find Britney (laughs) on?
1: What I'm hoping is that I, for one, I don't have too many expectations, to be honest with you. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I'm just, like, open to reading what she has to say. Um, I'm open to whatever her words are because I, you know, I, I, I love her as an artist and as, you know, a, a person in some ways, I guess. It sounds kind of creepy. Um, but I've just followed her for so many years, you know. And so yeah. I think that she's a badass. And so I look – I. I look forward to reading what she's curated, what she wants people to know. Um, And actually just like 10 minutes before this interview that we're doing, she posted on Instagram that she's working on a volume two potentially. So um, I find that to be super interesting, even if she's just messing around, it's cool to see that um, she's got writing on the brain and that she's wanting to express herself. Um, And so I'm looking forward to, um, kind of just being a part of the experience of, of Brittany expressing herself.
0: At this point, I think we're all just wanting to hear from Brittany herself. Like, you mm-hmm. know, I remember that court call where we were all like tuned in to hear her speak for the first time. And so much was revealed. And it's like, now we're going to get the, that on the pages and we're going to get to really see more about like what she was experiencing, what she went through, you know, but I think, This is also, from my perspective, I think this is going to be, or I hope this will be a very healing moment for Brittany in knowing that the world has like seen her story, has heard her story now. And as you mentioned, the volume two is like, maybe that's her starting to come out of her shell again and to go like, oh, now I can explore other areas because I've told this story of the darkness and the things that I went through and you know, the things that people didn't see when I was, you know, the the small town girl um, that they all thought I was for all these years, she's starting to give us that. And my hope is that if nothing else, because obviously I'll read it and I will absorb every moment of it and I'm sure I will love it, but I'm hoping more than anything else that this ends up being a very healing time for Brittany in mm-hmm. sharing the story and that it could lead to, a volume two or a song or uh, an album or a tour or, you know, on her own terms, because I mm-hmm. think Brittany is the best when she's on her own terms. Mm-hmm. And so I really hope that that's what, what we get from this.
1: Agreed. I think like, you know, all of us are our best selves when we can live our authentic life um, and be, choose to do what we want on our own terms. And it's cool to see her being able to kind of flex her creativity Um, and the writing process I know, and she's mentioned was, uh, a bit of a bit traumatizing to kind of relive some of these past experiences. Um, but I think sometimes in order for you to, to move forward, you, you look back on certain parts of your life and reflect on them. And what you can do is then in the present moment shift how you perceive those things so that when you look back on them in the future, you have a kind of a different stance. And I think that this book in some ways is doing that for her. Um, and just, you know, per usual, I root for her. Uh, I know fans have a lot of love for her and everyone just wants to see her, um, you know, live life, like you mentioned on her own terms. And this is a, a manifestation of that. So really looking forward to the book Hopefully we get to look forward to volume two. And I know that you mentioned kind of like, you know, the hopes of new music one day I'm on the same page. Uh, As long as again, it's on her own terms. Um, But would absolutely love that for her and just, you know, would love in some regard, in some way uh, to be a a part of that somehow um, and helping kind of make that happen for fans. So, um, but we'll see what happens.
0: Yeah, well, you have been a huge part of her story, and uh-huh. um, you know, I, as I mentioned, I've been I've been a longtime reader, and it's a place that I have gone for the good stuff in Brittany and and seeing that, and I I see what you're doing on you know Instagram and some of the other platforms where you're really like focusing on when someone takes something that Brittany posts on Instagram and turns it into headlines about her safety or, you know, whatever. I see you sort of changing the narrative in a way mm. that's really positive. And so, um, you. you know, I appreciate that and continue doing that. Oh um, yeah. So the, <laughs> thank you again for, for coming and doing this and, and walking through Brittany. I'm so, I will be so excited to hear your thoughts on the book and all the things to come. Um, but for folks out there, tell them where they can follow you, where they can, you know, find breathe heavy and you and continue to kind of stay up to date.
1: Yeah. So first of all, thank you so much for having me on, on the show. Um, you did an amazing job and I just really appreciate you knowing, uh, all the facts and bringing the tea and just being able to, um, for both of us to escape from our day to day to, chat about our girl um, and everyone listening. Thank yes. you so much for listening. Uh, you've made it this far in. So the you rock. thank you. Um, <laughs> and if you want to connect, uh, visit breathe or you can find me on Instagram. It's at breathe heavy. Um, I'm on Twitter and TikTok, and I have a personal Instagram and all that jazz. Um, but just feel free to shoot me a message on your social media platform of choice. And I'd love to hear from you um, and, and just I'm very, very grateful for the Breathe Heavy community and for Britney fans and for opportunities like this. So thank you um, and sending you lots of good vibes.
0: Awesome. Well, again, thank you for doing this and chatting, Brittany. Um, and for all of you, thank you for listening. Don't forget, you're g- you can get Brittany's book. It's out October 24th, The Woman and Me. And don't forget to rate and subscribe so that you never miss an episode of The Gist. You can find me at Vetrano on Instagram, threads, Twitter, or TikTok. And until next week, thank you guys so much for listening. Bye. See you later.